yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Rugby World Cup on the left wing. Hello and welcome to the left wing on the eve of Ireland's World Cup game against Tonga at the Stade de la Bourgeois. Uh, Rory, I feel like the temperatures were going down in tour. It feels like they're back up again here in Nantes. And as as Tyg Furlong put it in the press conference that we just came from, it's like a, a hairdryer, a hot hairdryer blowing into your face. And, and I think we were talking training. more about last week. I think today they weren't, they didn't find it as bad. There is a breeze. It doesn't help that the media centre is a big, massive tent which is sitting in direct sunlight and doesn't have any air conditioning. We're out the back of it here, start hanging out by the jacks, just watching the team bus go in the last couple of minutes. Um, you were training. It was I, yeah, I went along. It was hot. Peter, Oma- <laughs> Dave Kilcoyne was slagging Peter Omani. Uh, saying to the fitness coach Kieran Rudder, can we get a bit more uh, sun cream for Peter? He's, he was like l- lashings of it on his face. Um, yeah, everyone trained apart from the two lads that we knew probably wouldn't train, Sheehan and Conan. Um, Simon Meesby's just given a clean bill of health and that's important because last week they lost Robbie Henshaw to injury. So we're almost there. You know, Tonga were in earlier. Um, Ireland in this afternoon. Um, night, nighttime kick. Look, it's not going to be hot tomorrow. There will no. be water breaks. There's going to be a big storm here tomorrow at some stage. We're not sure how it's going to, you know, if there's lightning, if it's going to have any effect on kickoff and that sort of things. Apparently, trams are free and on tomorrow, so that's good news for the Irish fans who are here. So, um, stadium's a bit on the outskirts. It's kind of middle of nowhere, really. But I think pretty that advice that we've given all, all week is get pretty get out, get, get out early and, and yeah. get in because it's the first game, I think in this stadium. But uh, yeah, Nantes free public transport at the weekend. So it's not like that Lewis is free thing a couple of years ago. It's actually it's actually true. So. Yeah. Um, so we had this poll running on Spotify about whether Johnny Sexton should start against Tonga. And uh, the results are in. So 60, sorry, 55% said Johnny Sexton shouldn't start against Tonga and 45% believe he should. So yeah, Everyone's an expert. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I mean, I didn't think he should. I see the logic of why he's starting, but it is the big talking point. We were talking about it again as we waited for um, Simon Easterby, Tyg Furlong and Hugo Keenan to come into the press conference. You know, it is a risk. It's a gamble. You know, if someone goes a little bit high, you know, that's a two-week ban, three-week ban, um, potentially out of the two big games. At the same time, there's something to be said for cohesion. There's something to be said for getting five points on the board. Tonga are to be respected. They have a very strong... Um, team on paper, even though even Tyler Blaindell, um earlier was saying like we don't have the capacity to build the cohesion that Ireland do, and look, they're a really strong, established team on a 14-game winning run. So, um, like Sexton starting is a is a risk. Is 
means that Ross Byrne doesn't get the run that maybe he would have wanted if he's, if he's going to play a role later on in the tournament. But I think, although 55% of the people who responded disagree with him, I think we, we can all accept that Andy Farrell has proven to be a very good selector as Ireland coach and has earned the right to make these calls. And if they backfire, he'll get criticism. He knows that. He said that himself. You know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So it's, it's a big call putting him out there. But look at, you know, take, look at the bright side. It's a chance to watch Johnny Saxon play for Ireland. We're not going to have that many of them left. No, absolutely not. And obviously, the Uruguay's performance, and Simon Easterby was asked about this in the press conference there. He was asked about Uruguay's performance uh, against France last night. That is certainly a warning to teams if they send if they send out a second, second string side or a weaker yeah, side. Yeah, what? and Wales have put out a very weakened team to play against Portugal. And like, everyone expects them to win. But like, you are taking a risk when you do that. Like, there's a risk in every team selection that you put out. And France... Like, they didn't get a bonus point from a game against a team they really should be putting 100 points on, you know? And it may be established, like Ireland, France, you know, everyone expects them to have great depth, but actually maybe they're not as, as strong in that in, in certain positions as they were, especially you take DuPont out of that team, they're just not, you know, they're just, they were the same jerseys, different team, you know? They don't lose, sorry, they lose a lot of the lust of the, the, the kind of sheen of invincibility that they have. You know, he's such a, world-class talent and Luku's just not as good and you wonder like there's so many good scrum halves in France you wonder if they're all you know don't really want to live in Dupont's shadow and suddenly they've got this guy who's happy to do the work but he's not like he's not a patch on Dupont so not just to single him out they weren't great across the board but it was a it was great to see Uruguay put it up to them. I mean, we were watching it outside well first first half outside a bar in Nantes and the second half in a restaurant and they were getting a bit worried like you know when Uruguay was scoring and when Francis tries weren't getting you know it was it wasn't what they were hoping for. It was supposed to be a bit of a celebration up in Lille and it wasn't and it was a warning. Like, you'd expect the All Blacks to put a big score on Namibia tonight. But, you know, this is international rugby and these teams are very proud to play and when you're talking about Uruguay, like Tonga is a massive step up from them. You know, Uruguay... And the fact will, as well, they were off last weekend. They had a, they are dying to get yeah, going for this. And a number of their former All Blacks, they've, they've got four in the squad, like they've, they're now representing, certainly for Fakatoa, we talked about it in the week, for Piatau, they worked, they fought really hard to earn the right to play for Tonga here, to represent their islands, their villages, their their country, you know, a small country with a very proud history of producing professional rugby players who've never really been able to harness that at international stage. But they have in league. You know, they've got the Rugby League World Cup final, I think certainly the semi-final a couple of years ago. And I think the Tongan players were watching that going, well, hang on, why can't we have a bit of this in union? Like they're all playing in either France, Wales, uh, URC, Super Rugby, you know, they're all very good players. They're just... I think what holds them back is the fact that they just don't have the preparation time that Ireland do. But because they've been here, they're being treated like full-time professionals now. They're not like... I think when they play PNC... Um, uh, Fekato was saying this to us earlier in the week. When they play PNC, the Pacific Nations Cup, like the facilities aren't great. The balls aren't the right standards. It's not what he's used to when he's playing for a Munster or an All Backs. Whereas now he's at a World Cup. The balls are standard. The gear is standard. Um, the hotel they're staying in is lovely. And they feel like they're being treated like professional rugby players. And that all helps. It's all small stuff, but it all feeds into their performance. So I would expect them to be dangerous. And I think Ireland have picked a team to cope with that danger, um, but should have the strength to get past them. Yeah, you mentioned in our Indo World Cup Daily this morning about this tournament being about the survival, survival of the fittest. Because we've seen players going down, the likes of Malcolm Marks has been ruled out of the entire well, tournament. Well, Skelton now, the Australia well. captain, has got he's out of their game against How Fiji. How long is he out for? And they don't they haven't said, but it sounds like his tournament is under threat. Um, Ibn Etzebeth, you know, South Africa say he's got a ten week in, or ten day injury, but you know who knows? You know, he comes off against in their pivotal pool game against Scotland. They wouldn't have done that if they weren't worried about him. And then Malcolm Marks ruled out for the tournament, which is an awful shame for the tournament because he's one of the best players in the world. But from an Irish point of view, it's 
it's a big win, you know. It's you, you can't look at it on your other way. It might be cruel to say it, but you know, he is a formidable part of what the box offer. And when you take him out of the equation, you've got Bongi on the ma- on Banambi and the balance of that squad that they picked when they have four scrum halves and only two hookers. Now that they've one hooker, they've got Dion Fury, who's the, the Stormers back row on the bench, covering hooker tomorrow. Mark Mark Van Staden is the other one who can cover hooker, but he's not a, neither of them are hookers. Like neither of them when they're scrummaging against Dan Sheehan or Rona Keller or or Rob Herring to in next weekend. They're not of the same experience or caliber in that position. That's a, that's a big win for Ireland, unless they call up Joseph Dweeba, the, the Stormers hooker. But there's an also a big big talk that they may go for Pollard. They're out half because they didn't pick him in the first place. This is a way of getting him in. But they yeah, leave themselves he, so he exposed. The, is he on the bench? Playing for Leicester tonight. Yeah, okay for, yeah. He's back fit. Mm-hmm. He's won a World Cup for them before. But they've kind of nailed their colours to the Libak mask. They've gone to bat for Libak. And they need a hooker. I, I find it baffling. Why, their whole squad selection was weird. And now they've left themselves in this position where they kind of want to call up Pollard. They've got four scrum halves involved tomorrow on Sunday in Bordeaux against um, Romain. I'm going up to see that game. Um, John Klein is playing as well. He he's spoke this morning about how much he wants to play against Ireland. But four scrum halves, two hookers, one hooker's down. They've now got 32 players. They've got to call someone up. Pollard's there. They kind of want to go for him, but they must be thinking we've got to get Dweebo over because they need to have a hooker. I, it's going to be interesting to see what they do, but if they've left themselves in a bit of a bind, but maybe someone else gets injured and they just call up both of them. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, the big game really of the weekend is Australia against Fiji, isn't it? Obviously, Fiji after losing to Wales last weekend, uh, many people had hopes that they, they you know, could could have done better against Wales and obviously just the way it was, uh, the way it finished. They're up against it now, aren't they? Yeah, but they can really, they, got, they picked up two losing bonus yes, points, they did, which, um, is, crucial, which is crucial in that pool and if they do beat Australia, that puts Wales back under pressure. So, um, it is the game of the weekend. I think Ireland Tonga is going to be good as well. I think conditions might not help, but, um, like that pool is very fast, very interesting because Australia did get a good win last weekend and they do have very good individual players but without Skelton, their tight five doesn't look as, as formidable as it did. Suddenly, like we saw what Fiji did to the Wales scrum. If Fiji learned the lessons of last week and adapt a bit better to conditions and stuff, you know, the, the, I think they could do Australia. Like they definitely could but I, I wouldn't put any money on it because what we saw last week was that the established old order is still very strong and can, is probably more canny and better organized and better able to you know, manage games like England did or, or you know, Australia against Georgia. They just turned up and played and they, they played well. So, um, but if Fiji, I think it would be really good for the tournament if Fiji were to knock off Australia and then Wales-Australia next week takes on an incredible wow. amount of yeah. significance and you've suddenly got one of the big old order on the cusp of getting knocked out. Now, Fiji lost to Uruguay, wasn't it, four years ago? So, there's scope for them to screw things up as well, but they're much stronger. I did listen to Mark Evans, the CEO of the Drua. He's the former Harlequin CEO um, the team that they have in Super Rugby and he was saying really there's so much investment and time being put into Fiji Rugby and they are on a major upward curve but really it's going to be 2027 in Australia before we see Fiji like potentially able to compete for semi-finals and finals you know they're so strong so interesting it's, it's the game of the weekend for sure but I think we're going to be having an interesting one here as well now, just a little earlier in the media centre here, I met with George Bahulu, who's over here to cover Tonga and talk about Tongan culture and what playing in this World Cup means to them. I'm out here just to support uh, Tonga for Ikalitahi and I'll be here at all four matches as a part of media. And you've followed Tonga before? Uh, yes. Uh, my first experience of seeing them was in 2011 when... Tonga was in the uh, opening match against New Zealand All Blacks. And then I was there in 2015 uh, when they played the All Blacks in England. Um, so this is my third World Cup. 
uh, Rugby World Cup to be able to see uh, Gai Tahi. And, and tell us about your Tongan uh, heritage. Uh, the Tongan heritage is, is very family-oriented. We're very culturally rooted. And um, so I was able to ask one of the questions to, to the players today at the post-media uh, conference, uh, well, what it meant for them. And if you're a Tongan, you can definitely feel the experience. I mean, you feel, feel their emotions, and, and, and that's, that's the way our, our people are. And we've seen that in some of the videos of, you know, them traveling and their songs and everything, which is a very uh, special part of the heritage as well. Yes, of course. Uh, you know, music uh, um, with our slogan, um, you know, God and Tonga is, is our inheritance. And that's what we always abide by. And, uh, and for me to be over here, it's also a blessing as well to be able to support them and serve them like I'm serving my country. And what are your hopes for Tonga? Obviously, playing Ireland here in Nantes tomorrow. Generally, what are your hopes for Tonga in this World Cup? I think uh, uh, just for us to be competitive. Uh, I know that with the, I think with the new rules for to l- allow our Tongan players to go back to our own c- country and be able to uh, play for them. Um, just want to be able to see that. And uh, I'm not expecting us to get a victory or anything like that. Or you know, I don't want to get too overconfident, but I just want us to be able to compete at the, uh, our team to be compete at the highest level. Yeah, I spoke to um, Peter Aki earlier this week about the eligibility rules. He played New Zealand Sevens and he now is representing Tonga. How, how good was the fact that World Rugby relaxed those eligibility rules in terms of getting players of that calibre playing for Tonga? Uh, I think it helps out a lot because, uh, you know, I understand a lot of the players were, were a third world country. And, you know, we're very poor. So, like, if another country comes and buys us out, you know, we're providing for our family. So, but for them to always come back to the kingdom and to be able to uh, uh, be able to represent the country, represent their, uh, you know, their, their villages, and where they're from as well, um, it's always a blessing for them. Yeah, and, and, and there does seem to be, um, obviously, there's new players coming in, you know, a strong sense of unity as well. Uh, yes, there is a strong sense of unity. And I think, like... Uh, with some of their uh, practice matches that they had in Tonga against Australia. And, and um, I think it helped them come together and also, like, have time to train together as well because, you know, rugby is a team sport and they, they need to have a lot of, uh, you know, cohesiveness and be able to, you know, come together. Yeah, and would there, would how many fans do you think or would it be players' families or um, are you expecting uh, here in France? Um, I don't know. I just hope I see the... the the Tongan media here in France come on support all, all, all four uh, matches. And I know like it's in all four different cities in provinces in, in France. I was hoping in Paris, but, uh, but Nantes is, is fine. And then I know like uh, next week, I think they're in Marseille, then Nice, and then uh, finished off at Lille. So, but it's exciting. And uh, you were at the Tonga uh, captain's run this morning. So obviously Ireland have a big game next week against the Springboks. You know, a lot of external talk as well about, you know, obviously they, they might have one eye on that. Is, is that what the hope for, for Tonga, that maybe Ireland have one eye on what's coming next? Uh, well, they have named a very, very strong team for tomorrow as well. Um, I don't know. We just have faith in ourselves and uh, for our team. And that's, that's all we can wish for. And we just wanted to make it competitive for tomorrow and, and, and see where we we'll go from there. You know, it's just one game at a time. Thank you very much for joining me, George. Thank you. All right, you're welcome. 
Okay, well, that's it from us. We will be back after tomorrow night's game uh, with another podcast. It'll be late one. Yeah, nine Probably o'clock kickoff will. local time. Hopefully that lightning doesn't force it back any any further. But yeah, we'll be here. There's plenty to talk about. We won't be able to sleep after it anyway. So um, it's uh, it's going to be late by the time we get out. We got to get used to it. No more Ireland. That's the, sorry, it's the last the last last week was the last afternoon kickoff Ireland yeah, will have for the tournament. PM. So nine pm is the, the starters. We have to find yeah. something to do all day on Saturday in the rain. Well, we're going to get out here early. Absolutely. Yeah, as we've been telling everyone. So no, look, really looking forward to it. Ireland should get it done. Should get the win. We should be reflecting on it. Hopefully, we're not reflecting on any injuries and talking. You know that the talking points are more about how Ireland tuned up and got themselves Kicking ready for South gear, Africa, yeah. and that's the that's the big one. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay, Rory, thanks for that, and thank you for listening. Listen and follow the Left Wing wherever you get your podcasts.